Hello everyone, I'm Harvey Brownstone and today our guest is one of the most renowned experts on classic Hollywood stars. As you can see from the screen behind me, he has written seven highly acclaimed books about Hollywood history and some of the most beloved celebrities. He has twice won the Bronze Halo Award for Excellence in Writing from the California Motion Picture Council. And he also maintains the most comprehensive website about Hollywood that I have ever seen. I'm delighted to welcome author, researcher, and walking encyclopedia on all things Hollywood, the fabulous Alan Ellenberger. Alan, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Harvey, for inviting me. I look forward to this. Let's start at the beginning. How did you become such an expert on the golden age of Hollywood? Well, I moved to actually moved to Hollywood in 1987. And I'd always had a fascination with old movies and things like that. So once I was here, I started, you know, I had like the Academy Library at my back in and also and all sorts of locations in Hollywood. So um, it just fascinated me. And I went and I just did started doing research with nothing in mind to do with it, just the fact that it interested me. So it just it just went from there. I would, you know, go to the libraries and look at old newspapers and things like that. And, uh, it just built from there. What made you move to Los Angeles in 1987? I was living in Wilmington, Delaware at the time, and things weren't going very well. I couldn't find a really good job. And I've always had a fascination with California and um, Hollywood. So in 1986, I came out for a vacation just to see if I'd like it. Um, it just happened to be, in which I didn't plan it this way, it just happened to be the week of August 23rd, which was Rudolph Valentino's memorial service. And so I went there. It was the 30th anniversary at the time. And uh, so I was here for a week and I enjoyed it. So I moved here then the following January. And are you happy living there now? Oh, yeah. I don't regret the move at all. Yeah. Alan, I want to ask you about your books. Your first book written in 1999 is all about silent film star Ramon Novaro. What was it about him that compelled you to write his biography? I was watching TCM one night. It was on Christmas Eve and they were having an, a silent night. They, they called it the silent night and they were showing silent movies and they were showing Ben-Hur. And I had never seen it before. And I watched it and I was fascinated with Ramon Novaro and his performance and things. So I started I went and I started wanting to find some research on him, but couldn't find anything except for what was written in Hollywood Babylon about his his death, which turned out not to be that true anyway. So I just started doing my own uh, research, and that ended up turning into uh, the book after about 10 years of research. In 2000, you wrote your second book, a biography of child star Margaret O'Brien, who's still with us. Why did you decide to write about her? I met Margaret and we became good friends. And she didn't want a biography done about her. But so I suggested, well, how about, about a book about your films? And she, she thought that was great. So I interviewed her on all her films. And, you know, we did a biographical section, of course, but I interviewed her on all the films and just turned it into like a, a film self-book. Has she told you what she thinks about the book? Oh, yeah. She, yeah, she loved it. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah. In 2005, you wrote The Valentino Mystique, The Death and the Aftermath of the Silent Movie Idol. Now, a lot has been written about Valentino's death. What made mm -hmm. you decide to supplement the literature that was already out there? Well, 
you're right. There had been a lot of books written about Valentino, and um, which of course included his death. But I wanted, I wanted to do something different. I just didn't want to do another biography. So my book is from the point of view from his last 30 days of his life, and, and day by day, what he did each day for the last 30 days, up until he died, and then the funeral in New York, and the and the viewing um, in New York City, and then the train ride here to California and then the funeral here and entombment in Hollywood Cemetery. So that's, and then there are appendices. His will is in there and there's a lot of quotes from people who knew him when he died. And it's, it was just a different way of looking at his life. In 2018, you published a biography of Miriam Hopkins. Now, this book really fascinated me because Miriam Hopkins was known to be one of the most difficult actresses of all time. She fought with studio chiefs. She had a notorious feud with her arch rival, Betty Davis, and she was considered terribly temperamental. What made you want to write a book about her? Everything you just said. Um, it was fascinating. I've always been a fan of Betty Davis, and I had, you know, I knew she did two films with Miriam Hopkins, and I heard all the stories about their fights, and they didn't like each other, and and that went into more of uh, her fighting with other people, you know, being difficult. So I, she interested me a lot, and and I, I felt she could keep me company for a cup for a few years without getting bored. I, but but I decided I I didn't want to do it if I didn't have the families cooperation because they I needed them to fill in the holes in her life and fortunately I was able to track down her adopted son uh, they live here in Southern California or they lived here in Southern California and they totally agreed and they uh, cooperated 100% and their grandson too her grandson too did you have to keep in mind that you didn't want to offend anybody when you wrote that book given that the family was helping you I, I thought that in the beginning, especially about his her, her son, but he he's he was a very smart man. He knew exactly how his mother was and how she was perceived. Some things she he agreed upon. He 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 agreed that she was a very difficult person and could be. So it wasn't like we were telling things that that um, he didn't know about or was offended about. It was his mother. She, he loved her and he accepted her the way she was. Were you ever able to find out what it was that caused such a rivalry between Miriam Hopkins and Betty Davis when the two movies they made together that come to mind, uh, Old Acquaintance and The Old Maid, are fabulous movies? They are. And I think they're, uh, in fact, The Old Maid was, I think, up to that time was the biggest movie that Betty Davis had made at Warner Brothers. They had, they had met on, on the stage back in New York 10 years earlier. But Miriam was the star then, and Betty Davis was just an ingenue. Supposedly, they didn't get along there. Uh, in Betty's uh, autobiography, she talks about um, Miriam, how she would throw around. She would, she would get out of the shower, and she would just shake her blonde curls, and that's all she had to do. And then 10 years later, 1939, the roles were reversed. Betty was this big star, and Miriam was struggling to try and keep her, her job. In 1933, uh, Miriam did a play on Broadway called Jezebel. Uh, unfortunately, it was a flop, but in 1937, Warner Brothers decided they wanted to do a movie of it. Well, Miriam was smart when she got, when she started the play, she owned a part of it. So in order for that, for Warner Brothers to be able to do the play, 
um, they had to get her permission. So she comes up to them and she says, okay, I'll sign it, but I want to play the lead. And so Warner Brothers actually just lies to her and says, oh, okay, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll do that. Go ahead and, and sign it. So she signs it, believing that it was going to happen. And afterwards, they turned around and gave it to Betty, who did it, and she won an Academy Award. And Betty also had a weekend affair with um, Miriam's husband, Anatole Litvak. So you have all these things piling up, one on each other. So uh, Miriam wasn't a big fan of Betty, especially when you had the Academy Award win on top of that. Well, that does put the feud in context. I did not know that Betty Davis slept with Miriam Hopkins' husband. Right. It was, in, fact, in fact, it happened just six months before they did The Old Maid. <laughs> Do you think Miriam Hopkins was underrated and underappreciated as an actress? I do. I do. She could be, if she had the right director, she could do marvelous work. Now, if she didn't have the right director, if it was, it was somebody that she could manipulate, then she could sometimes be a little over the top in her performances. But when she worked with Lubitsch, she did, um, you, you know, magical work. Yes, she did. Have you been able to meet other celebrities in your time in Hollywood? At one time, I met Glenn Close, and there's an interesting story behind that. I was with Anita Page, and Glenn Close was on tour for Sunset Boulevard, and she was in L.A. And for publicity, they had invited Anita to come and watch the play. And so uh, she invited me to go along with it. So we went. We had great seats. And afterwards, we got to go backstage to meet Glenn Close. And she was still dressed in her costume. And what, what fascinated me was she was still in character as Norma Desmond. I don't know if that's an actor's thing that, that takes them a while to, to get out of it or, or not, but she was still there, but she, no, she was very nice and, and she talked to Anita, but she talked to her like she was Norma Desmond. So it was kind of neat seeing a, a real silent film star and a fictional film star together at the same time. So but that was exciting. Oh, that would be really memorable. Your latest book is about Anita Page, who started out in silent pictures and made some popular films, but her career was basically over by 1936, except for yeah, yeah. one movie in 1961 called The Runaway with Cesar Romero. What drew you to Anita Page as the <clears throat> subject of a book? She's almost forgotten. When I did my book on Ramon Navarro, she had done a, a movie with him called The Flying Fleet back in 1929, I think. At the point that I was doing my interviews for the book, she was making a comeback in Hollywood, going to film festivals and things like that. So it was easy to, to find her. Uh, her manager got me in touch with her and, and set up the interview. And, you know, we just clicked and we became friends and we would go to places together. And I'd go with her to her, some of the movies that she was going to where she was hosting and things like that. I, we just started, I started the same, same thing like I did with Margaret O'Brien, I just started interviewing her whenever we were together. I'd bring my tape recorder and we'd just talk, talk about her films and her career, the people she knew, you know, things like that. That was 20 years ago, but it, it, it took that long to actually put it together because there wasn't really enough for a biography, a full biography, like with, with um, Miriam Hopkins, because like you said, she quit so early and she became a, a Navy uh, wife. We just uh, concentrated on the on the film career. 
In 2008, you published a book called Celebrities in the 1930 Census. It contains household data of over 2,000 celebrities and public figures. What inspired you to write that book? The 1930 census came out in the early 2000s. And I'm just fascinated by, by history, you know, and things like that. And I got the idea that, that there, the census would have famous people in it of where they were in 1930. So I got a list of names. I, I thought of everyone that I could think of and just went through and documented where they were and what they were doing in 1930 and put it all together. It's more of a reference book. In 2001, you published a directory of celebrities in Los Angeles cemeteries, which tells you where the final resting places are of all the Hollywood stars. I'm one of those fans who loves to visit the graves of my favorite stars, and I found your book very helpful when I went grave hunting the last time that I was in LA. You wrote the book 20 years ago. Do you think it's time for a revised edition? Because a lot of stars have died since then. Oh, I know. Yeah, it's, it's very out of date now, but no, because of the internet, the stars graves are so handy at the, you know, going online and it's just a lot easier. So I, I, you don't see many cemetery books anymore. Which of your books so far has been your favorite? Do you have a favorite? Each one, there's something I like about each one. Maybe Miriam Hopkins, because I've had a lot more response from her than, than, than some of the other ones. She's made a, a, a bigger impact. I, I, I think it's brought her back to, you know, the people and her fans and things like that. And no one ever, ever did anything on her before, but so she needed a book on the shelf for her. Oh, for sure. Alan, I want to talk to you about your website, alanellenberger.com. That website is an incredible reference source for articles, books, reviews, newsletters, archives, so much more. I've conducted searches on your website and found loads of information about every celebrity, every movie, every event that ever took place in Hollywood from the very beginning. How did you manage to find all of the information that you've got there? It's, it's just research, you know, reading books, uh, newspapers, combing through newspapers and magazines from the 20s and 30s and, you know, and talking to people, you know, interviewing people. That's where all the work is, is, is in the research. Well, how much time do you spend every week updating and adding to your website? Well, unfortunately, I haven't been had much time recently to, to work on updating it because I'm working on a new book and that takes up my time because I have a full-time job also. So I have to fit everything in when I can. And, it take, and to do an article for the website, it, it, it takes a while to do the research and, and write it all together and things like that. So, but I'm hoping to be able to update it soon. Do the books help pay the bills at all? Not really. No. Writing books won't, won't make you a wealthy person unless, of course, you, you hit that person like an Elvis Presley or a Marilyn Monroe or whatever. Well, why have you chosen to write books about stars that were not uh, really A-list? Well, that's what I like. And when, whenever you write a book, you're going to spend a couple years on it. And I don't want to spend a couple years working on someone that's going to bore me. Doing a, I mean, I love Marilyn Monroe and Elvis Presley, but doing a book on them would be boring for me. I want to do people that are fascinating, that they did something fascinating, their career, and they've been overlooked maybe, and they need to have a rebirth in their career and their, 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 their face. 
So your books are really a labor of love. They're not a financial endeavor for you at all. No, not at all. They're, yeah, they're just a labor of love. Yeah. Do you have a favorite movie star? I've always liked Judy Garland. I like Viola Davis. I like Drew Barrymore. And she's got the connections. And I like the women that I've wrote about. Betty Davis, like I said, Betty Davis has always been a favorite for me for as long as I can remember. So, Do you think you'll ever write a book about one of the Barrymores? Probably not. They've been done before. I don't want to do a book that's already been done unless it's a different angle, like with my Valentino book. Am I allowed to ask you what your new book is going to be about? Sure. It's a history of Hollywood Forever Cemetery and some of the people that are buried there. I've been working on that for a long time. Ever since I came to LA, I hang out there a lot. It's a nice, beautiful, I don't know if you've been there before, but yes, it's a, it's a beautiful place to hang out and it's fascinating. I always keep finding new people that not, not everybody would know, but you know, obscure people that are buried there of all, all fields, not just in movies, but in, uh, you know, politics and science and crime and everything. Now it's obvious from your books and your website that you are completely immersed in the old golden age of Hollywood. What do you think of the current entertainment business? I used to be into it a lot, but the last 10 years or so, I've kind of lost track for some reason. Um, at Academy Award time, I don't recognize a lot of the movies and, and things like that. and. I don't know if that makes me getting old or, or what, but there are some good ones absolutely that are, that are being made. I don't know that they're, they match up to some of the older ones that still, still have, a, have an audience, especially like on Turner Classic Movies and things like that. Do you think the movie industry and the Hollywood community have done enough to preserve the history of American cinema? I believe that there, that, that there are groups that are trying. The Academy is putting together a museum that hopefully will be open, um, but because of the pandemic has been postponed several times. I'm more concerned about the Hollywood history here in town that people don't have much respect for the old Hollywood. They, they keep tearing things down that, that used to be, I'm just afraid that that's all gonna be disappeared within the next 50 years, you know, that there's not gonna be any traces of the Hollywood of the 20s and 30s and 40s. Are you excited about the Academy Museum of Motion Pictures that's uh, going to open in September? Yeah, I am. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Um, this town doesn't have a, a Hollywood Museum, which is incredible. It, there's been several tries to get, get one in town. We do have the old Max Factor building. Uh, there's a, a nice museum in there, but there's never been one that's totally everything on Hollywood history from beginning to end. So. Yes, I'm looking forward to it very much. Are you going to connect with the people at the uh, Academy Museum and make sure that they know about your books and your website? Well, I've been to the, the library and I always donate one of my books to the library. So they, and I have friends there, so um, they know about me and I, I, I try to keep in touch with, um, with things that are going on there. Well, Alan, your dedication to researching and preserving and honoring the legacy of Hollywood movies and the great stars is so greatly appreciated by fans like me who love the golden age of Hollywood. Thank you so much for coming on our show. Well, you're welcome. And I appreciate the time and, and, the, and the research you've done.
done. So thank you. Our guest has been Hollywood historian, researcher, and author, Alan Ellenberger. My name is Harvey Brownstone. Thank you to our producer, Steve Silver. Thank you all for joining us. See you next time. Be sure to check out more interviews by Harvey Brownstone on this podcast channel.